Welcome to Abiding Podcast. Um, welcome to another Monday Musings. Um, and today I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts around um, what I'm reading at the moment, but also later on I wanted to share a few thoughts on fear and peace. Um, to start with, just to kind of talk about what I've been reading in during this lockdown and kind of what I've been investing time into to read. Um, uh, the heavier book that I've kind of been reading, it's a, a book by um, Greg Boyd called The Crucifixion of the Warrior God. And in it, the it's a two-volume book. It's around 1,600 pages long. It's it's 10 years of this guy's work, of Greg Boyd's work. And in it, he looks for to kind of reevaluate the way that we look at the Old Testament and the violence that we read about in the Old Testament. And he starts it all with this idea of if Jesus is the image of the invisible God, as, Gala- as um, uh, uh, Colossians says, but he's also, as Hebrews 1.13 says, he is the exact image of the Father. If this is If this is true, then how do we see Jesus in the violent portraits of God? And at the moment, I'm only two or three chapters in, and he's still laying the foundation for Jesus is the image of the Father. Jesus is the image of who we, if we want to know who the Father is, what the Father is like, we need to look at Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we see a a, a man and a God who came and sacrificed himself so that we could be folded in. And it was in a non-violent way. He could have taken it by force, but instead he self-sacrificially died and even at points told his disciples off for the use of violence. There was a moment where Peter is defending him in the Garden of Gethsemane and he Peter cuts the ear off of a, off of a Roman soldier and Jesus rebukes him for it, reattaches the ear and heals the, the Roman guard there and then. Um, so he tries to unpack what that looks like going back through. And what's been really interesting is reading, because I, I started to, during lockdown, read back through the Old Testament. And I got to this point in Exodus, I think it's like chapter 20, chapter 23. Yes, chapter 23, where it talks about the conquest of Canaan. And normally there's this one phrase that... Um, uh, I blot them out. Um, it's in verse 23. Uh, when my angels go before you and bring you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall n- not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor as they do, uh, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars into pieces. The phrase blot them out, I always understood to mean to kill, to get rid of. But when I actually looked it up in the Strong's Concordance, it would mean meant to hide for it to like no longer exist. And the further you read down, you see that God also said to them, I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. Um I will not drive them I will not drive them out before you in one year lest 
the land becomes desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you. And what I find interesting in reading this now compared to reading it before I started reading Greg Boyd's book is I used to think that whole passage was just about going in and killing those people. But here there are two moments where God says, I will drive them out before you. And he also gives them a time frame and says, hey, not within the next year will I drive these people out before you so that the land isn't desolate as you guys spread and as you guys move. And yeah, that was just like, that's just one of one of the things that I've kind of caught hold of while reading that book. And I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. But what I love about reading that book is many of you will have heard this quote by Bill Johnson Jesus is perfect theology, that actually if Jesus is the image of the invisible God, if he is the exact um, imprint expression or yeah, the exact image of who the Father is, then, then Jesus embodies everything that God has, yeah, the, yeah, that God has ever said that we need to filter everything we read in scripture through Jesus. Um, Charles Spurgeon famously said that all scripture leads to Jesus, just as every road in the UK will eventually lead you to London. It, some might be windy, some might be like lots of turns, but you will always get to to London. You will always end up with Jesus when you read the Bible. So it's so important that I, I'm loving the challenge of this book to kind of reevaluate how I've read various parts of the Bible. I'm yet to yeah, I may or may not agree with his final, like final full thesis. I may disagree. I may agree. I'm not sure yet. I'm still got a lot to read, but I'm looking forward to delving into more of it. Um, and then alongside that, I've been reading Bill Johnson's book, The Way of Life, um, Experiencing the Culture of Heaven on Earth. And what I'm really enjoying about this book is it's not just a list of doctrines. It's not just one or two points. This to me feels like this is just Bill pouring into a book everything he's learned along the way and going, this is how you follow Jesus. Plain and simple. It's not about big theological statements, but it's about, hey, here are four key thoughts to live by. Here are these things. Here are like just really fundamental things to help you. Um, so like in chapter two, I think it's chapter two. Uh, no, not chapter two. Uh, da, 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 da. Cornerstones of thought, chapter four. He line, lays out these four cornerstones of healthy thought and godly thought. And the first one is God is good. Um, the second is nothing is impossible. Jesus paid for everything is number three. And number four is we are significant. Um, and the the book goes on to explain those more and it's yeah it keeps going on and on and on but what i love about it is it's bringing back the simplicity of following jesus it's really pulling us back to a simpler time and he tells a story in one of the first earlier chapters of a pastor really wanting to get into building build help build this this church that the builders are building and the what the site manager goes if you want to do something cut these two by fours to length and the pastor goes caught cool, and he measures the first one cuts it and then he takes the previous two by four to measure the next one and cuts it and he repeats this over and over and over again and as as you know that when or you may or may not know that 
as you measure something by the previously cut thing, it comes, it becomes off by a millimeter or a couple millimeters each time, and it keeps coming off and off and off. But because he's only measuring against the previous one that he's cut, he doesn't realize that by the time, like, if you're cutting four or five, that's fine. You can measure using the previous stick or the previous two by four. But by the time you're getting to number 100, you're 100 millimeters off. You're about 10 centimeters out from where you started. Um, and the point of that analogy is that um, is that we've come in some aspects so far away from what the early church called following Jesus that, that it's time for us to really almost like reassess what we're doing and be okay with questioning the way that we do church, why we do certain things, because it's so easy for us to just assume and carry on and think that the previous generation has it all right. And that is not to discredit anything that the previous generations have done because there are they are the they're the reason why we can stand on the shoulders of giants because there are, have been some incredible men and women of God who have led us to this point in in history to where we are now in the faith but there are also some things that they've gotten wrong that have stuck and it's important for us to reassess and really come back to the real basics um yeah and I just wanted to touch a little bit on on fear just to close this um this podcast just because right now we're in still kind of in lockdown but kind of not things are easing and we're now talking the the talk that you find when you go out and about is will there be a second wave is there going to be a second wave there's definitely going to be a second wave and I'm not going to make comment on whether or not I believe there's going to be a second wave or not but my my heartfelt encouragement to you is don't let fear take hold in your heart because no matter what comes there is there is provision there is someone like for, for me personally I believe that God will take care of me regardless of what will happen in Matthew 6 he uses the he talks to his I think he's either talking to the disciples or to a crowd of people and says he says look at the birds they do not worry where their next food comes from so why do you worry about where your food's coming from are you not more significant than the sparrow look at the grass it's beautifully clothed in color but it's here one minute and gone the next do you not think that god's more concerned about how you're clothed and keeping you clothed than you are that then he is about keeping the grass clean and good and he he does that anyway so if this is the same god then he's going to take care of us and it um in that passage it says do not worry about tomorrow or for tomorrow will worry about itself and i just want to encourage you to seek him in those moments when you really get caught up in fear and get caught up in not not being at peace because for me for quite a while now one of my key my key verses has been in Roman. I want to say it's Romans fourteen twelve or twelve fourteen, but it says the kingdom of um, the kingdom of God is uh, righteousness, joy, and peace. And those three things have kind of been markers for me for when things are running in my heart in a kingdom way, or if there's something off kilter. If I'm not at peace, why am I not at peace? 
If I've lost my joy, where did I lose it along the way? And if I'm not walking rightly, what needs correcting? And what, where has my eyes come off of Jesus to walk rightly? But so often when fear hits, we look, our key thing that we ask for is peace. We want peace, we want peace. But I remember being at David's tent one year and we're worshipping and we're interceding and all of a sudden I got this mental image like God gave me this picture of these fighter jets flying over and releasing this like this cloud behind them and I just felt God say we've been fighting the war the wrong way the war against fear is not won by seeking peace but the war against fear is won by seeking love because in Timothy it says no it's not yeah uh, I think it's actually in 1 John perfect love casts out fear and we've so often been seeking peace, but real, not realizing that the source of our peace or the thing that dispels the fear that is leaving us with an unpeaceful state is his perfect love. When we seek him and we seek his perfect love, it will cast out our fear. And it is so important to know how we deal with things because so often we can be seeking we want the ends, but we forget that the means of getting there is different. It looks different. Because if it was just to seek peace and to ask God for peace, then it wouldn't, yeah, there's a, that might dispel the fear for a moment, but to find lasting, deep peace is to press into the love of God, to realize that we are his children, that we are cared for. Because in those moments when you are, when you believe that the almighty God who created the universe holds you in his hands and looks at you and goes, this is my beloved child. How can we be fearful when we know that he is in control? He has it. He's still on the throne. So even during this pandemic, there's, there's moments of fear. There are moments where fear has gripped me and I've panicked about, about different situations, but it's like, there's no there's no space for that when I just surround myself in him and go, he's got this. When I really believe that he has my best interest at heart, which is part of the cornerstones of thought in Bill's book, it's if, if we don't believe that God is good, if we believe that he is an angry man trying to punish us for everything we do wrong, we're not going to trust that he's going to give us good things. Um, another parable that or maybe a story or a saying that Jesus says is that he's talking to a group of people and he says, if, um, says you're, if you're a father and your son asks you for some bread, do you give him a snake? So if you fathers of earth can give good gifts, how much greater are the gifts that the heavenly father will give who is perfect? And if we really believe that, there's, there's little to no room for fear. There is little to no room for us to not be at peace because he holds it. He's got the gifts ready. He's able to provide for us. We've just got to be willing to step into a place of, I believe that he has me. That he, if everything hits the fan, he will provide for me. So I just want to close with praying for you guys. So I just want to thank you, Jesus, for everyone who listens to this. And I just pray where there is fear, I just pray that you come in power right now and release your love in the room where they are. Holy Spirit, let your presence be there with them right now. 
let your presence be there with them right now that they may feel the peace of heaven a peace that surpasses all understanding yes lord and i just thank you thank you thank you that there are people that are writing books to encourage us in our faith to challenge our thinking and i just pray that as people listen yes yeah i just pray that you really kind of bring people to be encouraged to delve deeper into who you are and not just know you on a surface level because the deeper that we know you the deeper the peace the joy and the righteousness thank you jesus amen thank you guys for listening to this week's monday musings it's been a little bit more rambly a little bit more off the cuff but i hope you enjoyed and i hope you guys have an amazing week bye